We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18 today. You're going to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. And I wanted to show that clip, and it just hit me last uh, second, and, and Grant actually scrambled and found that video so that we could play it. We've seen that one before, but the title of today's sermon is, Who is the Greatest? Who is the Greatest? And I think a lot of the times in, in our culture that uh, the unbeliever, the lost, and, and even supposed Christians, they get the wrong idea of who God is. They get a faulty impression of who Jesus Christ really is. Uh, sometimes they get it because we as Christians, uh, we project the wrong Jesus. We don't understand how to proclaim the glory of God. We have a little uh, matchbox Jesus. We have a little uh, uh, hocus pocus Jesus. We have a pinata Jesus that uh, he just loves you. He has a wonderful plan for your life. And, and if you do the right thing, if you hit him just right, uh, candy falls out and it's a wonderful story after that. But what you don't understand is, is that with the Jesus that we worship, the Jesus that we acknowledge, the Jesus that we uh, preach is a Jesus that created the foundations of the world. That's my king. I don't, I don't worship a God who can be served by human hands as if he needed anything. You see, God longs for you to worship him. He desires for you to give him glory. He demands that you respect him, but he doesn't need any one of us. You see, we have a needy God in America. We have a really needy God who he needs us to, to do this and he needs us to do that. But we, God does not need us. Does that, does that negate his love for us? Absolutely not. As a matter of fact, it proves that it is pure and unadulterated. For if God needed you, then you would be fulfilling something in him which would be not purely motivated. You see, God is full within himself in the Godhead. Jesus Christ, who is the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. Perfect unity and perfect love within the Godhead. He does not need anything, and therefore, his death on the cross and his coming into the world and his creating you uh, was not uh, indebting himself. He did not need anything, but it was pure love that he came and created and then sustained and then redeemed. You say, why do you say all of that? Because I want for you to understand today the glory of the God and the power and the magnificence of Jesus Christ, the God whom you serve, those of you who call yourselves Christians. And I want to make a plea with you today. Who is greatest in your life? I want to make a plea with you today to stop going halfway, stop with the nominal Christianity, and I want you to press in, fully following him. The Bible would say in the, in the text that we're going to read, to stop limping around between the two, but make a decision today on who it is that you will serve and who it is that you will regard as the greatest. You say, well, I do regard Christ as the greatest. Let me tell you right now, I don't care where you are in your faith, we can all use a greater measure of faith. From the non-believer to the greatest among us, because God is eternal, and his gifts and his love and his perfection is eternal. So you can always take another step in your understanding, your acknowledgement, and your glorification of the Son of God. His name is Jesus. Let's open up the Bible now to 1 Kings chapter 18, and I'm going to read for you a story today. The story today is found in 1 Kings 18, and I've actually given you a little bit of context 
in this story because I told you a, a story out of this same uh, uh, section of scripture not too long ago when we talked about Elijah and the widow and the widow's son that he raised from the dead and he showed the power of God uh, in the fact that he controls death, that God controls death and that those who trust in him will not be abandoned and will not suffer defeat ultimately speaking. And so if you remember, uh, Elijah uh, had, had pronounced that there would be a uh, drought. There would be a, fam a famine, a drought in the land. There would be no rain until he spoke, and it would rain when he spoke, but not until then. It was his word uh, that was used by God. It was actually whose word? God's word coming out of Elijah's mouth, and that was vindicated and proven to be the case because it would not rain until he spoke, which was the mark of a true prophet. What we want to look at today is the continuation of that story. And after uh, Elijah is strengthened by the woman and after he raises the woman from the dead, he goes on in uh, to the, the, the kingdom of Ahab and he says in Samaria there in, in the land, and he says there is going to be a drought on this land and it will not rain. And everybody feels the effects of the drought, even the man of God himself. And God has to make preparations for him and has to feed him by the ravens. He goes down by a little brook and he drinks and the Lord sustains him there. And the Lord commands ravens to come and feed him with bread and he sustains the man of God. And then he comes in to the situation where Ahab, one of the most wicked kings in all of Israel's history, has led the people of God far, far away. And here's where we find ourselves in the story. As we have been doing, I would like for you to stand to your feet as we read the word of God in uh, respect of it. And let me start reading in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 7. And as Obadiah was on the way, behold, Elijah met him, and Obadiah recognized him and fell on his face and said, Is it you, my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, It is I. Go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And he said, how have I sinned that you would give your servant into the hand of Ahab to kill me? As the Lord your God lives, there is no nation or kingdom where my Lord has not sent to seek you. And when they would say he is not here, he would take an oath of the kingdom or nation that they had not found you. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where. And so when I come and tell Ahab, he cannot find you, he'll kill me. Although I, your servant, have feared the Lord from my youth. Has it not been told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord, how I had... How I hid a hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifties in a cave and led them and fed them with bread and water. And now you say, go tell your Lord, behold, Elijah is here and he will kill me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I will surely show myself to him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him and Ahab went to meet Elijah. When Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is it you, you troubler of Israel? That's going to be important. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed the Baals. Now, therefore, send and gather all Israel to me at Mount Carmel and the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. 
Now, he just called to Ahab and he said, bring them here. Bring them here. Let's see what happens. Now, here's the story. So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go limping between the two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us and let, let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood. But put, one fi put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by, far, by fire, he is God. You may be seated. I want to pray over this word uh, and ask the Lord to bless it. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you would... Bless the reading and the hearing of your word, Lord, that you would give us understanding, Lord, that you would give us insight so that we might see what it is that you were teaching in 1 Kings 18, but that we might also see the greater implications of your son here in this text as well. I pray that we would leave here knowing and understanding in a greater way who Christ is and what he is demanding and calling and asking of us. I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to go on a little farther in the story, but I want to stop right here for just a second because a couple, of names, a couple of things need to be drawn out here just to set up the story and the completion of this story that's about to take place. You see, uh, Elijah had met Obadiah on the way, and Obadiah is not the prophet Obadiah who, who writes the book Obadiah in the Old Testament. But this is actually the servant of the household or the keeper of the household of Ahab trusted in all of his ways. You see how God, just like in Nehemiah, he has somebody in the place that he needs to be in order to make a difference in the world. See, we're so tore up in our country right now because we're worried about these yahoos that are, we're going to vote for. And that's exactly what I did just say. Everybody's like, I don't know who to vote for. I don't either. Okay, I'm just writing in Jesus. I don't know what to do. Because, I, I mean, you vote for the lesser evil, you, I don't know. I, this is not a political stand, I don't know. All I can say is, God help us. Okay? Amen? Anyway, you can amen to that, right? I think, I think Jesus is going, amen, brother, you know? But the bottom line is, is that I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. You say, how are you not worried about it? Have you seen her? Have you seen him? You know what? I don't know what to believe because there's so many lies, but I know one I can believe. I know one who's in utter and supreme control no matter what the world may say. I know one who's got somebody where he needs to be. You see, we see God's always got a plan. Even in the broken down system that we live in, God's got a plan. And we know he works all things together for the greater good. So, number one, take heart, people of God. It doesn't matter if the whole country crumbles down around us. And that was part of God's plan. And we didn't need it to stand. We trust God in what he's going to do. So we know that God has somebody in place, and Obadiah was that man in this instance for the purposes of God. You see, Obadiah was a man of God. He had hidden the prophets when Jezebel started killing them. He, was a, he said he feared the Lord from his youth. And along the way, Elijah meets him, and Elijah says, I want you to go, and I want you to tell Ahab we need to talk. 
And Obadiah was so uh, afraid that he spent, I think, five verses talking to Elijah going, are you for real? Are you for real? Are you for real? He's going to kill me. Why did he think he was going to kill him? I had to make this point, even though we hadn't gotten to the story yet. I want to show you something right here. Listen to what he says. He, if I say, he said, and now you say, go tell the Lord, my Lord. He's talking about Ahab there, not the Lord, Lord. Behold, Elijah is here, and as soon as I have gone from you, the Spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. The Spirit of the Lord will carry you I know not where. Now, we might have just glazed right on over that. We might have just bypassed that, but I think it has everything in the world to do with the story at hand. Now, the story that we're going to see is Elijah really, and some of you men, you're going to like this story because you're like, yeah, go on, go on, bro. Yeah, my God, he's better than your God, you know? And we can say amen to that, but see, in this, we're going to find out that it wasn't Elijah that was a bad man, right? Now, it wasn't Elijah that was so powerful. It wasn't Elijah that was so smart. It wasn't Elijah that, 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 that had these miraculous powers of, of, of whatever. Ooh, we don't serve a hocus-pocus God. But it was the Spirit of the Lord that carried the man of God along. You see, Obadiah was worried about Elijah because he said, I'm going to go tell Ahab that you're coming, and I know that you follow the Holy Spirit in such a way you might not be here tomorrow. Now, let me ask you, people of God, do you follow the Holy Spirit in such a way that you don't know if you'll be here tomorrow? You want to do powerful things of God like Elijah did? You want to call down fire from heaven? You want to preach the gospel in and out of season and watch it, watch it break people down to the very core of who they are so that they can be built back up in Jesus Christ? You want to see effective ministry happen? You want to see people get lit on fire by the glory of God and burn brightly for other people to see? Disciples making disciples making disciples. You want to see true salvation and true ministry happen? need to be led by the Holy Spirit. We got all these systems and pragmatic solutions and all these programs and whatever. Hey, praise God, whatever. Are you carried along by the Holy Spirit like Elijah was? We see that Elijah trusted the Holy Spirit and it was from God that he got his power. It was from God that he spoke. It was the word of God that he spoke. And that is the only way that we can make a difference. It is the only way that we can be men and women of God. It is the only way that we can exercise power over this futile world. You want to make a difference? You've got to know the word. You've got to open up your mouth and be carried along by the Holy Spirit. Uh, 1 Peter chapter uh, 1 uh, verse 21 says that no prophecy came by the whims of men, but as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. We must be carried along by the Holy Spirit. I wanted to put that out there for you because I have a hair in my mouth. Got it. Can I have some water? Somebody give me some water. Oh, I think this one right here ain't got a little bit of slobber on it. I'll just use this. Oh, no, it broke the seal. Squirrel. Um, hold on a second, where's that?
If we want to make a difference in our world, there we go, got it. If we want to know, if we want to make a difference in our world, we must be carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as Elijah was speaking to Ahab, what would happen was, now you remember what, what the word of the Lord said. He said in uh, 1 Kings chapter 17, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word, except by my word. Now, we understand from the scriptures that unless a prophet of God's word comes true, then we are not to trust that prophet. This was the test by which we knew if a man of God was speaking the true word of God or if he was just saying whatever he wanted to say. So what we see here is that it's God vindicating the man of God and confirming it was the word of God and that it is God in the process of doing what God wants to do. I say that because it is essential that you are in close relationship and fellowship with the Lord Jesus Christ as you walk about your Christian life or you cannot be in the will of God. Now, some of you here, you don't even know the Lord. You think you're men, but you're not. You're silly little boys who have no idea where you're going in life. You shouldn't have a family. You shouldn't take a wife. You shouldn't make kids. You shouldn't do anything because you have no idea where you're going and you don't need to lead anybody astray. Is that too harsh? We have silly little kids walking around saying they're men, but all they are are liars. And they take on families, or try to, and then they fall flat on their face. Now, am I, that sounds kind of cocky, doesn't it, coming from me, right? Heather's like, it might be kind of cocky. I'm not being cocky because me too. I am a pathetic excuse for a man if I step outside the realm of the Holy Spirit whatsoever. I would say like Paul. Paul was, what was the, the, the apostle. He was the apostle Paul. He walked with the Lord hand in hand, but Paul himself said, I am the chief of sinners. I have no righteousness of my own. And I say, I am too. I am too. And if I, if Brandon Pori has any slight possibility to lead anyone in the right direction, it will come only from following the Lord. So we say, you follow me as I follow the Lord. If I am not walking according to the scriptures and according to the Lord and being carried along by the Holy Spirit, then you need to come and talk to me and stop following me. I say this to wake some of you up. You have potential by the power of the Holy Spirit to be a man of God. That not by your own righteousness, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you could look at your sons and daughters. You could look at your wives. You could look at them and you could say, follow me as I follow Christ. We look to the government and we say, oh, look at these knuckleheads. We are doomed. But look in the mirror and see, is there hope? Look in the mirror and do you see one who cannot actually say, I am being conformed to the image of Christ? No, you're not perfect. No, this is not boastful. We say with, with Paul, I, I decided to know nothing among you except the cross of Christ. I'm not boasting in the flesh. I would admit to you willfully that I am the least of these. I have my own struggles. But what I say to you is what I say to the man in the mirror. Worship Christ. Follow Christ. Get in the word of God. 
and be transformed by it. You see, Elijah was a man of God because he was carried along by the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen to what he says here. He says in, in verse 20, he says, So Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, How long will you go on limping before the two different opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You see, we limp around and we say, especially in the Bible Belt, you have such working against you. Because we say here in the Bible Belt, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, it kind of reminds me of Kramer on Seinfeld. Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I follow the Lord. Everybody and their brother's a Christian, but nobody loves Jesus. You just blew my mind. We we wanna we wanna say we wanna say we wanna say things, but we look at this talk talk is cheap. Damn man, I'm stepping on my own toes. Talk is cheap, and everybody knows you're a fake. How many times has your daddy told you, or hopefully you've not, but how many times have you told your kids, "Don't do as I do, you do as I say." I got no time for that. I got no time for that. And neither does, neither does God, apparently. Because Elijah says, how long will you go on limping between two different opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. You see, it's not about words. It's not about what you say. It's about a transformed heart. Oh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says that we are to be living sacrifices and we are to be transformed by the renewal of our minds, not conformed to the image of this world. We are not to be conformed to the image of this world. You need to choose this day. And as we walk through these scriptures, I want you to see what can happen in your life. So many of you men out there, and me at times too, so many of you ladies out there, you're sitting with your head down and you think my message is a message of condemnation because you think I can't do what he says. Well, I know you can't. Amen. But God can. God is the transformer of souls. He's the renewer of minds. That's my king. This is coming from someone who literally, around 15 years ago, 13, I'm terrible with timelines, I was literally laying in a ditch, high on meth for five days, stinking with no bath, blood running out of my mouth. There's nothing good in me. This is what God's power does. This is what God does. You say, well, he's bragging. No, I'm not. That's exactly what I'm not doing. If it wasn't for God, I would be dead. If it wasn't for God, I would be a crackhead meth addict with no hope whatsoever. Ask my wife. It is the power of God. It is the gospel that is the power of salvation. And he can do the same thing in your life. But I've got an alcohol problem. Christ! I've got a porn problem. Christ! I've got a money problem. Christ! It is Christ. Oh, I've got to get to this rest because I want to show you what Jesus is. What he does that is so different from the rest of the world. The world promises a lot of things too. You got an alcohol problem? AA. A higher power. Listen. AA, AA has its place. You need to recognize. You need to recognize that, that alcoholism has its place in your memories. You need to recognize that. 
But I'm going to tell you right now, they say that it's a disease that can never be overcome. They are liars. Because my king, my king buys people back in full. Right? My king don't share with another master. Right? My king don't, he doesn't come up against a disease and say, well, I wish I could fix that one. No, sir. My king is the king. He is the great physician, the Lord of lords and the king of all kings. Amen? Now, that's good. That's, that's right. That's right. Now, let's keep on going here. Listen to this. This is the word of God. It's going to come forth right here. If, if Baal, then follow Baal. And the people did not answer him. They didn't want to answer that. You see, right now, you might be saying, well, I, I, you know, uh, well okay. Uh, listen to what it says. Then Elijah said to the people, I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Now, what he doesn't mean within context, we know, either he's mistaken that he's the only prophet, or what he means is, is that I am the sole representative of God right here in the face of these trials. And there's 450 opposers right here. Let's see what happens. And the people did not answer him. The fourth, let, verse 23, let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut, into pieces, uh, cut, cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire to it. And I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God and I will call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. I wish I had about another three hours. But one thing I want to show you here is, is that did their God have a name? In this, in this, when he refers to him here, did it? Let me read it again. And you call upon the name of your God. Any name there? It's a nameless God. And I will call upon the name of the Lord. Now, when you read in the Old Testament, and it's Lord with all caps, that means actually it's the Tetragrammaton, and it is Yahweh. That means I am. You call upon whoever it is that you're going to call upon, and I'm going to call I am. Oh, oh, that's good right there, right? You know, my God's got a name. My God, he speaks. My God walks, he talks. He, he speaks to me. I don't have some deity pie in the sky. I got a Christ who is inside of me, who speaks to me, who dwells in me, who walks with me, who talks with me, who does things, right? Woo! And all the people answered, it is well spoken. They said, okay. That's good with us. All right, we're going to have a, we're gonna have a contest. We're going to have a contest. What's so, what's so funny about that? All right. And all, and all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, choose for yourself one bull and prepare it first, for you are many, and call upon the name of your God, but put no fire on it. And they took the bull that was given them, and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal. Now he has a name. From morning until noon. So how long? This is roughly probably about 6 to 8 in the morning till around 12 noon. For 4, 5, maybe 6 hours, they're just calling upon the name of Baal. Calling upon the name. Calling upon the name. Calling upon the name. So they're calling, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them. This is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. And Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry louder, cry aloud, for he is a God. Neither is he musing, either he is musing or he is relieving himself. <laughs> so they said, Elijah says, 
scream a little louder. He may be in deep meditation or maybe he's going potty. <laughs> Shake it off. Let's go. We got something to do out here. Come on, God. We've got something to do, right? <laughs> yeah, that was too far. <laughs> hey, cut, rewind just a hair right there. No, seriously. Come on, that's why I tell Titus all the time he takes forever in the bathroom. I'm like, come on, son, we got things to do. So all these problems, my bad, baby doll, I'm so sorry. So, so, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Okay, back on topic here. So Elijah's mocking him, and he's like, where's your God at? Come on, talk a little louder. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's, maybe he's in deep thought. Maybe he's, he's, he's caught up in something. Scream louder. Do what you need to do to get him here. And listen to this. He says, cry aloud for he is a God. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is, he, maybe he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. You see what, 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 what Elijah is saying? He's like, where is he? Where is he? You said your God was so powerful. You said all these things. Where's he at? Where's he at? He said, maybe he must be awakened. And listen to this. This is going to be crucial when we get to the Christ, uh, when we get to the gospel run. And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. Their blood was on the altar. Their blood. Hold on to that. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offending uh, of the oblation, but there was no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. No one paid attention. What did they do? It says they raved on. They raved on. You see, all of your and my trust in these false functional saviors. You say, we don't have idols like that not in america we don't have that anymore you got to go to india and see the little buddhas you know in the in the living room it's like, I, we've had this conversation before you know what people say we don't really have idols in in america anymore you know that those are little carved uh features you know and we say what well, what how do you how do you define that how do you define that idol what is it what does it look like and they say well it's 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 a They'll take the idol in India, and they'll, uh, they'll spend a lot of money on it. They're usually pretty expensive. Uh, and then they'll take it to the uh, largest room in their house, the gathering room. They'll set it uh, in a central location in the room that is on the side of the room so that they can place it where everybody in the room can sit. And then they'll gather in that room, and they'll sit all facing the idol, and they will uh, give the idol their full attention, and they will be quiet uh, so that they don't disrespect the idol uh, and they will put all of their attention on it. Now, in America, what object is it that we put in a central location in the room, on a wall, we all sit, we all face it, and get on to people when they talk because we've got to pay attention? Huh? What, what was it? But we don't have idols in America. How about, how about uh, uh, some of the idolatry uh, or the worship of idols in other countries? They'll gather thousands of people and they'll put the uh, worship of the idol, the central location in the, in the middle of all of the people and they'll have uh, scores of people and crowds 
gathered all the way around, looking down into the central location to the thing that they shout for and worship. What would that be called in America? Sports. Football. You see, we have idols here as well, uh, but we don't think of them as idols, so they're that much more dangerous. But for all of you that have put your hope in the God of money, the God of fame, the God of fortune, the God of sex, the God of whatever, let's see you cry out to that God and it actually come and help you when you're in your greatest despair. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord came, saying, Israel shall be your name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar as great as would contain two saves of seed, and he put... Uh, the wood in order and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood and he said fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood and he said do it a second time and they did it a second time and he said do it a third time and they did it a third time and the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water you're getting the picture uh, the prophets of Baal had built the altar it was ready to go all you had to do was strike a match they called and called and called no answer Elijah put the, put the altar back together. He cut the bull. He laid the wood. He did everything accordingly. But then he said, I want you to take four huge jars of water and I want you to soak the wood. We want to remove all doubt of who did this this day. Then he said, fill them up again and soak the wood. Then he said, fill them up again and soak the wood. How many times? Three times. He wanted to know that it was impossible for a man to start that fire. Kind of like how Jesus was in the grave three days so that it would be impossible for anybody to say that he wasn't really dead. Three times they poured that water on that until it ran down and filled the trench so that it was filled with water. And at the time of the offering of the uh, oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. In other words, the proven God. Let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord. Answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Listen, some of you struggle with God. You struggle with the idea of God. You have in your mind this idea that God is, is out there, and you think that God is like Baal. In, in your estimation that you've 
called out to God maybe before and, and, and you never heard anything. You pray and, and you, never hear, you never hear anything. You do all of these things, but you never get anywhere. And, and maybe you think that, that God is like Baal, that he doesn't speak, that he's mute. You know, maybe you would be the one that says, God, where are you at? Are you in the bathroom? But I'm here to tell you that we do not worship a God. We do not proclaim a God that is mute and who does not speak. You ask any number of people in here and they'll give you testimony after testimony after testimony of the effects of God in their lives. We believe here at the well in, in the, the gifts of the Spirit. We've seen people healed here. Uh, just ask Clyde. We laid hands on Clyde. He got a report from the doctor, and the doctor said, well, you've got this cancer, and you're going to die, but you're not going to die from this cancer. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Ask Wesley's dad, who none of them gave him hope. All the doctors said, nope. God said, oh, yeah. God is real, and I would plead with you today. You see, Psalm 115, verses 4 through 8, speaking of the idols, says this. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of human hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but, but they can't see. They have ears, but they do not hear, and noses, but, but they can't smell anything. They have ears, but they can't hear, and noses, but they can't smell. They have hands, but they don't feel, and feet, but they do not walk. They do not make a sound in their throat. Those who make them become like them. So do all who trust in them. To trust in an idol is to give up all of what life is. It is to give up humanity. It is to give up the divine. It is to give up the possibility of true and everlasting life. Christ said that I came so that you might have life, but not just life where you're breathing, but abundant life, filled full of the hope that is in Christ. Would you continue on limping around in this present age as if you can gain anything from this world? Would you go on trusting alcohol as your Savior or success as your Savior or lust as your Savior? Would you not this day commit your heart and your life to the Lord that speaks? I want to read to you Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 through 4, in contrast to what we read here in 1 Kings chapter 18. You see, whereas the idols are mute and they don't speak, you see, these, these false gods, they, they can't offer anything. What, what, what will they do for you? First Kings 18, right there in 26 through 29 says this, and they took the bull that was given them and they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon saying, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered and they limped around the altar they had made. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 
one, though, it says this. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke. He spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Whom he appointed the heir of all things. Through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. You see, it says here in, uh, about the false gods in 1 Kings 18, it says, There was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them, saying, Cry louder, for he is a god. Either he is musing or he is relieving himself or he is on a journey or perhaps asleep. Maybe he needs to be awakened. Elijah says, your God has no power. He doesn't speak and he has no power. But the author of Hebrew tells us that God speaks to us uh, at, to, through the fathers, through the prophets, but in these last days through his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also created the world. You see, Christ speaks. Christ is, is relaying information to you, revealing himself from you. And he's not as if he is asleep or as if he is deaf or mute or can't do anything. No, he created the world. He is powerful. This God, Christ Jesus, I know you've been let down by your gods. I know that they've, they've let you down. And I know you've had some idea of some God out there at times past maybe. But I do not speak a, a message of some God that has no power. No, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, through whom he created the whole world. And as we all stand to our feet and as the lights come down, I want to show you the last thing right here. It says in the text, it says, And they cried aloud and cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances, until their blood gushed out upon them. You see, the gods of this world, like the, the idol Baal, they require your blood. You see, they require your blood in order to get anything from them. You will pay homage to the television or to the alcohol. Now, those of you who have those struggles in here, you know what it's cost you. You know what it costs to be a drug addict. Not just financially either, not just monetarily. You know what it costs. It costs you your dignity. It costs you your humanity. It costs you your hope. It costs you your joy. It costs you your peace. It costs you your blood, your lifeblood. It costs you your family. It costs you your sons and your daughters. It costs you dearly. And you will pour out your blood your blood on the altar of false gods and you will be the sacrifice but in Hebrews chapter 1 it says that he created the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high you see whereas other gods false gods demand your blood as a sacrifice on their altar Jesus Christ pours out his blood on the altar for your benefit. You decide this day 
Will you worship the gods of this world? And don't tell me that you've not. Make a decision this day whom you will follow. If the Lord is the Lord and if Christ is king, then follow him. And if the gods of this world are the gods that you want to follow, if you think they're God, then you follow them. But just know they will leave you bloody and wanting, laid out bare on the altar of life. But Christ, Christ hears and moves. Christ is how God has spoken. Christ is the sacrifice by which we are purified. And his blood is poured out on us and washes us white as snow. Don't you see, people of God? Don't you see? Christ and Christ alone offers redemption. Christ and Christ alone offers hope, real hope. I do not preach some lofty sermon that is hocus pocus, no sir. I make a guarantee to you today. Give your life to Christ and you watch him conform you to the image of his son, of the son. And you watch your life transform. Now will life be a bowl of cherries? Will it be easy according to the standards of this world? No, but even when hell fire comes, even when the rains come, even when the floods rise and pound, on that house it will not fall for its foundations were on the rock who is Christ Jesus choose this day this day whom you will serve the altar is open the time of decision is now give your heart to Christ those of you who have come to him before but have wandered as David did Come back to Christ today. Give him your life. Give him everything. For Christ is all. Christ is all.